Hello everyone, thanks again for tuning in to Miss Kim McLeod, We Ain't Real Talk. Um, today, thanks for joining um, me today. We actually, of course, are on this new series on the Apostolic Perversion Experience. And today I have a very special guest with me, my very own pastor for the past over 12 years, Pastor Michael G. Blankenship. And um, so we're going to be going through his apostolic conversion experience today, and I'm really, really excited about this um, interview, and I know that it's going to be powerful. I know that you all are going to get a lot of encouragement and inspiration. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have uh, Pastor Blankenship to go ahead and introduce himself to you all today. Well, hello, Sister Kim. It's nice to have you in my office today. And uh I'm, uh, as you've already said, I'm, I'm Michael G. Blankenship. I'm senior pastor of Norfolk Apostolic Church in Norfolk, Virginia, and have been for about 32 years now, 32 and a half years, actually. And uh, we are so glad God arranged to bring you here 12 years ago. <laughs> and uh, we're glad to have you as a part of this body. And uh, I not only serve the church, but I also serve in our district, in the Virginia district, as the uh, district secretary now for uh, over 20 years uh, in that role and uh, so been busy and so it's good to be with you today. Thank you so much Pastor. I really do appreciate once again for um, allowing me to do this with you. I thank you so much. So with this um, of course I'll share this a little bit more in a separate introduction but um, many of you that have already been listening that's been my regulars um, know that this is part of bringing encouragement to you all, to the current believers, but also to those that still have many questions concerning salvation. And I know, um, of course, we know the Bible will trump everything. The Bible, we know the Bible is true. But also with that, we know that testimonies, personal testimonies, is a is a huge encourager as well and kind of more shed light on what the Bible says. And um, as I was starting out this series, one of the people that I really want to interview, of course, um, is my personal pastor. And I would like for him to share on what happened with him many years ago, um, his apostolic uh, Christian conversion experience. So first starting off, um, one of the questions I like to share or ask is, what was one of the first memories or moments that you knew there was a God, that you knew there was something bigger out here, that there was a creator of it all? Well, um, as I mentioned to you a few minutes ago before we started, this, uh, this coming May uh, 18th of 2020 will be my spiritual birthday. That was uh, 45 years ago that I was baptized in Jesus' name. I received the Holy Ghost a couple of weeks later, uh, early June, as I remember, in a revival meeting. But uh, for me, I'll, by that time, I'll be 58 years old, so that's, that'll be 45 years of serving God. I came to the Lord as a teenager, a uh, young teenager. I was only 13 uh, when I came to God. And looking back in my childhood, I don't know uh, because I was a child, I don't know that I ever had a time that I didn't believe that there was a God. Um, <clears throat> my mother took me to church when I was very, very young. Uh, I have some memories. My mother used to be uh, in the church at one time. She was a, Actually, she was a church pianist and choir leader. Uh, 
at one time way back, going back in time. And I was just a little boy, maybe, you know, I have memories of maybe being, you know, uh, two, three, four years old, somewhere in that ballpark, uh, going to church. I remember going to the Apostolic Gospel Church in West Grove, Pennsylvania, which is where Chester County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia is where I grew up. Uh, and I remember, I even have memories as a little boy of being there on work days when they were actually building the church. So I, it goes way back to the start uh, of the church. And I have one uh, particular vivid memory of my mother being on the piano, uh, on the platform, playing the piano. And I was down in the pew, evidently being ornery, and the pastor uh, yelled at me from the pulpit <laughs> and told me to go up and sit on the piano bench with my mother. <laughs> so that was rather humiliating, even even at that little age. Uh, but I do rem I have those memories. However, uh, that's all the memories that I have because my mother, unfortunately, fell away from the Lord, backslid for a season during that time, and so. From that point on, though I have those vague memories of being real, real young, uh, but for after that it stopped, and uh, we went for uh, numbers of years. You know, I wasn't raised in the church. I had nothing. I had no knowledge of church. I certainly didn't understand doctrine or anything. But because I had gone to church a few times as a little, little kid. Uh, I don't really even remember being in Sunday school, so I, I don't even think I was old enough to much be in uh, in that. Uh, but my point is, is that, you know, I, I in answer to your question, uh, I, I don't know that there was ever a time, I, I never thought about it. I was just a kid, and I never had those grand thoughts of whether there's a God or not. I just always assumed there was. Mm -hmm. So that that part wasn't a problem for me. And I think that's really interesting to hear that from you, too, because... Um, myself included and also other people that I've talked to even outside of this podcast when we're um, children a lot of us have a belief of God it was never really like a question either God exists or not normally that involves like later on in life so it's interesting to hear that from you too well and it's why children's church is so incredibly important and children's ministries are so very important and I know it's disheartening a lot of times for children's church workers and people that minister to children to sometimes see them fall away. But I will tell you, um, you, you, you'll you never know what what will happen to seed that's planted into children when they're young. Even the scripture talks about, uh, you know, Jesus said there, there's a price to pay if you offend one of these little ones which do believe. Uh, children are by creation and by nature, uh, they have faith. A childlike faith, as we call it, and so children believe in God. They don't have any, you know, they don't have any problem grasping any of that for some interesting reason. I think that personally, it's what God put in them, into us, you know, to begin with. But uh, it does come back, uh, you know. But I, I never got old enough uh, before God made Himself real to me. I never got old enough to doubt Him, you know. So I, I, I never that that part I never really had a battle with. Got it. Got it. So here's um, our next segment. I know this is a loaded question, um, but tell us about a, tell us about when you started your apostolic journey. When you started that apostolic journey, as in um, who or how you was invited to an apostolic church, 
what or who motivated you um, in that regard? Well, I, I again, I'd love to look back and, and, and testify that there was some uh, great, grand uh, religious thing that happened. That my, my, I look back and it's almost funny. It would almost seem like I stumbled into the church. Uh, but the truth of the Lord is the Lord had his hand on the whole thing. But I was 13 years old and uh, there was a new pastor uh, that came <clears throat> to be at the uh, I say my home church. It wasn't. It wasn't my home church. I, you know, I, it was where I attended real briefly when I was a, a young boy. But uh, I, my mother heard that there's a new pastor there, and some friends of my mother was really they were reaching out to her, trying to get her back in the church and stuff. And uh, somehow they convinced her uh, that this new pastor was uh, said he really likes uh, kids and stuff like that. So. My mother got it in her head that, you know, it's time for me to go to church. Mm -hmm. So I remember one day driving, we were driving down the road in, in town there, and my mother is explaining to me that there's a new pastor at that, that church up in West Grove and stuff. And, of course, I was a typical smart-alecky 13-year-old. I'm sitting there looking at her like, this means what to me? You know, <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> and uh, she said, well... Uh, she said, uh, you're going to go. I want you to go to church this Sunday. And uh, I didn't really particularly want to go. And, uh, and I said, well, why? You know? and so she just was pretty much bent on the fact that I was going to go to church, which looking back on it's rather comical because she, she didn't go with me. You know? But uh, the Lord got a hold of her back again later. But in, at any rate... Uh, I was sent, you know, to church. So the truth is, I, I was told that I was going to go to church. <laughs> and, but it just so happened that the, that the son of the friends that were, that had, you know, or my mother's friend that would, reached out to her uh, was looking for me. And he was uh, just a few years older than me. So he was like 16, 17 at the time. You know, I was 13. And so he kind of grabbed a hold of me that day when I came and took me under his wing. So anyhow, he invited us that day uh, after church, or it just so happened it was coming into springtime. The weather was just beginning to break, and our church had a, I didn't know it at the time, but they had a church softball team, and they played in a church league. It was actually kind of fun. There was about 20 different churches that played in the league, and uh, it was very organized. They had umpires, the whole deal, and they would play all summer long, two nights a week on Mondays and Thursday wow. nights. And uh, so, I, which I had never even heard of, you know, that, but I was I was playing uh, baseball in school when I was young. I was uh, pretty athletic. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's back, back when I could really, when I could run, you know. And uh, like I was showing you a few minutes ago, I still have a trophy up there on the wall from, from those days where I was MVP of all things. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it was coming into spring, and they were practicing. They were beginning their practices uh, to get ready for, you know, the, the, the league that started later that end of May or March or whenever it was, or April, I mean. Anyway, they invited me to go out on a Sunday afternoon and play ball with them. I said, okay, you know, I love playing ball. So I, that's what got me out. And that afternoon, I ended up just having a, a great time uh, with those guys. There was about a dozen or 15 or so that were men from the church. 
And I just had fun with them. And so they invited me uh, and asked me, would you like to play, uh, you know, on our team and be a part of it? And I said, well, yes, this would be fun. And uh, especially because it was going to be in the summer, and so school didn't have anything going on. So, yeah, I'll play. And, uh, well, then they, of course, explained to me that the rules was, the, the league rules is you have to attend the church at least once a week uh, in order to, uh, you know, qualify to be on the roster. Now, the church could, could make it whatever they wanted, but the league minimum was, was once a week. And uh, so I, I remember asking, wait a minute, I got to go to church to play on this thing? And uh, so, well, yeah, all right. You know, so the truth of the matter is, my spiritual walk began with me going to church really for the noble reason of just wanting to play on the church softball team. <laughs> and, and that was the extent of my spiritual hunger at the time. However, uh, it was a matter of only a few weeks when, the, when I would get into service, get in the presence of the Lord. And I look back on it now and I realized God was making a move on my life. Mm-hmm. That, that I, you know, I, but I didn't, I didn't recognize any of that at the time. And uh, so he was moving on me pretty swiftly and stuff. So I remember as a 13-year-old boy feeling the presence of God for the first time and being in services and, wow, this is something, you know. And, and um, in a matter of within a couple of months, uh, it was a, a Sunday. I remember a, a service that we were in, the altar service. And uh, people were praying around the altar and so forth. And I remember an elder in the church at the time. Uh, it was an older gentleman even back then. He would have been in his 50s or 60s. But Clifford Souter, uh, I'll never forget, came walking back to me. I was sitting, you know, third or fourth, fifth pew back somewhere. And I'll never forget, he just walked up to me and he just said, Michael, uh, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is here strong and stuff. Would would you like to be baptized in Jesus' name? And uh, I remember looking at Clifford and and saying, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I wasn't even sure why I wanted to be, but I did. I, I, you know, I had a, there was a faith. And I can't really say that I had a full understanding of everything was going on, but, but I knew what I felt and I knew, you know, what I wanted. And I had seen a couple of baptisms, so it, it wasn't like I didn't know what was going on, but, for a 13-year-old, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that I understood all the theology behind it at the time. But I responded in faith, and I did. I was baptized in Jesus' name, May 18th, 1975. And uh, like I said, this year, that'll be, that'll be 45 years wow. ago. And I've had an uninterrupted walk with God for 45 years. Received the Holy Ghost. It was two or three weeks later. We were in a, we were in a revival meeting. We were having services like... Back in those days, we'd have church like five nights a week and stuff during special revivals. And I remember it was on the last night of a revival. And it was on a, a Sunday night, actually, as I remember. And uh, finally at 13, I, I received the Holy Ghost. I would have received it sooner, but I just, I I didn't understand mm-hmm. uh, some things about it. And finally it, it kicked in and the Lord filled me. And I spoke in other tongues that night. And uh, I guess... When you look back on it now, is as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so jumping back a little bit on on the baptism part, 
So you went on and got baptized. Like, did you go ahead and get baptized that evening? Yeah, I got I got baptized. Yeah, and I don't remember if my mother was even there. Uh -huh. They may have called her, uh, or she, I just honestly don't remember. I don't think she was there, uh -huh. but uh, I think they called her uh, uh -huh. to, you know, make sure that everything's fine. Of course, she she was fine with that. Yeah. And uh, my mother wasn't walking in truth, uh -huh. but she knew truth. Right. You know, so. She knew better than to fight that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, you mentioned when you joined the softball team and as you started going to church, you noticed the presence of God. And um, in that time frame, do you remember a particular moment or a particular service or even the, the moment when you was baptized or received the Holy Ghost, a moment when you knew that you... Um, there was sin and that you needed to repent of your sin. Well, again, at 13, I don't know that I <clears throat> I could explain the theology right, and right, all to right. you, but I, I certainly knew, uh, you know, that, that, that I was less than perfect. I had that understanding. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I was a boogerhead. And I, I, I needed, but I, I didn't... Um, uh, you know, I, you know, when I when I think back on it, I, I have to realize uh, that again, God was making a move on me that was that was quick, and and so I begin to experience the presence of God very quickly uh, in service. And I can't remember back, you know, like where I could say where I went to church for a while, and all of a sudden it was on that that service. Right. That's I I was I was feeling something from the beginning. You know, every time I'd walk into the place, I'd feel something, and it kept drawing me further and further and further. I guess I had come to the point where I didn't know what else to do next until Clifford Souter walked back and and helped me to understand the next thing you do at this point is you need to be baptized. You know, after I got baptized, then they explained that the next thing you need to do now is you need you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh -huh. and and uh, so I finally got that you know and and then the next thing after that that uh, my pastor was dale dixon uh, at the time back in those days and they would talk to me about stuff was going on. i was still you know teenage kid and stuff and just playing softball and ha having fun but but now was when i got into the junior high class and now they started teaching doctrine to me and now now, now i started getting interested in in understanding what all this is. Mm -hmm. And so I'd have to say for me, understanding came after the fact uh -huh. more than it did yeah. before. Mm -hmm. But I never felt a need to, to redo anything because right, right. Uh, what I experienced was very real. It's just that I couldn't really explain it to you mm -hmm. until later. Right, right. And I, it's interesting to hear this. And this, what, like, I love, like me personally, like, I love to hear other people's testimonies and how they was able to get to where they are now. And with you, I know the few times that I've listened to some of your testimony, of course, I'm hearing more of it uh, now, but um, that you were 13 and um, that it moved, like the Spirit of the Lord moved on very quickly, like he was showing showing himself to you very quickly. And I could relate to that because that was very similar um, to my experience. And that's one of the things I know that it has come across with, do I proceed with baptism or should I pray for the Holy Ghost if I don't really fully understand it and I had a very similar experience I haven't shared my own testimony yet fully on this 
but that was something on me like the first Sunday Sunday night service I was in, in when I decided that I was going to continue to go to church regularly I was filled with the Holy Ghost not even even understanding completely oneness mm-hmm. God filled me with the Holy Ghost sure. not even understanding understanding that um, so I just find that to be interesting that um, you you know you indicated that that sometimes God move on us without us having that whole theology and doc, you know the full doctrine. Yeah, it, if God had to wait until we understood things to do things, nothing would ever get done. So, so God is uh, God is ready to move on us and work in our lives many times long before we even understand what's yeah. going on. But that said, sometimes we get hung up at places we get stuck. Yeah. At, at things we don't understand. Yes. We're the ones that get stuck, though, not God. Yes. And and so that, of course, is why he chose the, uh, what the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The whole point of preaching and teaching is to bring understanding and to bring uh, explanation. And he didn't say foolish preaching is what does it, but it's the foolishness of preaching. And he's talking about the absurd. The actual word in the in the original Greek was probably would have been more modernly transferred as absurdity, okay. uh, the absurdity of preaching. You know that someone would just get up <clears throat> and just begin to talk, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and preach a message or teach a Bible study or something. That somehow that would have such a dramatic effect on people's lives that can change mm-hmm. the whole life. It only works because God chose it to. And so he anoints preaching and teaching, and the whole purpose of it is simply to proclaim and give people understanding to help them get past the, you know, kind of picture like you're trying to walk across, you know, 10 yards, 10 backyards, but each of them has a fence, and I keep getting hung up at the fence, you know, and, and I can't. Now God's God's already moved on. He's in the next. You know, but I but I, for me to get there, I got to get over this fence, and and it's a fence of where, something I don't understand. But then preaching and teaching kicks in, gives me the understanding. Ah, okay, now I can, I can climb over that fence and go on. You know, and and, and so our our life from that point is a process of uh, from glory to glory. You know, just on, after forty five years now. Um, I'm still learning things and still seeing things in the Word of God that I didn't see before. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an exciting adventure. You'll never explore and and hit the bottom of the well with God. Mm -hmm. You know, you can spend a lifetime searching Him and searching the Word, and and you'll you'll be learning new things on your deathbed. You know that that's how deep and big God is. I'd like to do a little insert there. I know it's not on. The questions right now, but since you were saved as a teenager, and I understand we get, of course, uh, 45 years ago seem ancient to some of the young people today, <laughs> but I, of course, but there's still some good principles and knowledge that you learned back then that's still relevant. It is today. ancient. <laughs> <laughs> As a teenager, as a young person, what's something you could share for someone that's between 13 and 17 right now and going to church, but not really 
um, has been set on or have committed themselves to start really walking from God for themselves? Well, there's, <clears throat> there's no new thing under the sun. <clears throat> now, today's youth face a lot of different uh, yes. technologies and things that we certainly didn't have mm -hmm. in, in my time. But the truth is, my generation, when I was a teenager, faced technologies and stuff that were different than, you know, my parents' generation. Right. So, you know, some of that is just part of the evolution of life and, and so forth. But, but aside from those things, there is no new thing under the sun. And <clears throat> every generation is the same. Human nature is the same. Yeah. The issues that teenagers face today are basically the same as they did when I was a teenager. Now, one thing I do acknowledge, though that is different today, is today's young people have so much access to uh, sin and, yeah. and to problems and yeah. stuff. I mean, it, it was all there when I was young, too, but I didn't have you know, the, the access right. that, that young people have. We didn't have social media. And so, you know, human nature is the same, but young people today probably have more ways they can get into trouble easier yes. is how I would, you know, say it. But it doesn't mean that that their issues are so overwhelming that, that they because the issues are the same. And the yeah. bottom line is, you know, I... I'm not even sure why or how, but I, I fell in love with God uh, as a teenager. I, I really did. I just, uh, I was, you know, from a broken home, I, I, I had a troubled, you know, some troubled issues going on. Maybe it was, it was that that I reached out to God for, but I, I fell in love with God. And despite the fact that I know I don't feel worthy uh, you know, or certainly have not earned or anything like that, the good things that God has done to me. But the thing that is, that has stabilized me, even through times of low self-esteem and all the things that battle with, is I never doubted God's love for me. Amen. I am absolutely confident and I know that God loves yes. me. Now, I don't know that I know why he loves me. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and I'm certainly not suggesting that to know me is to love me. <laughs> you know? right. uh, I'm not suggesting that he ought to love me. I'm right. just saying that it's his choice. Yeah. You know, it, it, it flows from his character, not mine. And I am so convinced of it that that is what helped stabilize me, you know, during those teenage years. I never doubted that God's love for me. Now, did I have, you know, temptations and did I have, you know, sinful things that try to... Well, sure, everybody does. Every generation does. But I never, I never had the idea where I felt alienated uh, from God. And I always had this sense that, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to disappoint God. I, I want to... So... Uh, I think the key to making it, well, it's all the time, not just your teenage years, but you've just got to make up your mind at some point and decide which team you're going to play on. You know, And, and if you're going to be on God's team, then there's certain things you have to say no to. You know, you have to, no, I, I don't go here. I don't do this. I don't dress like that. I'm not participating in this kind of sin and stuff. It's not because I can't. It's not because... 
that some of it doesn't appeal to my flesh mm -hmm. like anybody else. But it's but no, if I do that, it's disappointing to God, mm -hmm. and I don't want to disappoint Him. <clears throat> and so, it was His love for me and my love for Him that kept me even at times when I probably would have fallen away otherwise. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Thank you. That's all. That, that's awesome. Like, really. And it's interesting you say that because just last night, um, a dear friend of mine that I grew up with actually met her my first year of receiving the Holy Ghost because I'm actually be interviewing her soon too on the Apostolic Conversion. And we was just talking about this and how we don't necessarily fully understand why <laughs> Jesus loves us, but he does. It's evident. Just looking around while we was on the phone, like, our surroundings itself tells us that he loves us. <clears throat> well, long before your generation, back in my day, uh, Andre Crouch was a famous gospel singer, mm -hmm. and he wrote a famous gospel song called Just That, I Don't Know Why. <laughs> and the words to it, I don't know why Jesus loved me, but oh, I'm glad, so glad he did. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, forward. Um, so I know you said when you started going to the junior class, and that's when you started getting more understanding of doctrine and theology. Um, of course, you've talked about the love piece that's helped you um, continue to stay on. With the question of what are some things that you've learned on your journey with God, kind of adding to that as in what is one key thing? You already mentioned the love part, but was there something else that helped you to stay grounded um, throughout your um, teen years, up until your young adult years? Well, again, it may be different things for different people, right. but for me, uh, the other thing that came quickly uh, for me was not just a conversion, <clears throat> but within a few years of my conversion when i was only 16 years old god again uh, moved very swiftly upon me and began to put a call to preach on my life and so again i, I you know i'd have to honestly admit that that's even probably part of what kept me through though because the lord ratcheted up the stakes so to speak mm. this was now this was now not just something I'm doing, uh, you know, for, for my religion and my life, but now, due to what the Lord was doing in me, now this is swerving into, you know, what would even be my career. And my, you know, so it, it, it caused me to put a lot of attention uh, to it. Okay. And what happened to me was <clears throat> I began to realize, well, man, you know, if God's wanting me to do this, uh, and I'm realizing I, I don't know my head from a hole in the ground when it comes to, <laughs> it comes to this, this book. I've got I've to start learning this book. Right. You know? And uh, so I started, you know, I spent a lot of time with my pastor that, that, you know, I got sometimes, you know, private teachings that way, you know, one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. type of stuff. Um, uh, I started paying very close attention to the pulpit. Okay. I started really listening to to message, to trying to grasp the theology, because I, there came a point in me that I recognized, I not only have to understand this, I've got to be able to, you know, explain it. Mm 
yes. to others. And and then and then of course you got to learn how to explain it to others in a way that will persuade them. Right. <laughs> it's not just barking facts, you know, you got to uh lay it out. So that's probably you know a part of what even kept me in my latter teenage years and so forth was by that time I was already turning my attention because I, I had other plans right. and things I was going to do. And I was I was literally placing all of that on 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 the side burner <laughs> and giving that up to to follow this path that God was calling me on. So, you know, that locked me on okay. pretty strong. I, and and I'd have to uh, I'd have to, I guess, looking back on it, admit that that probably even helped keep me, you know, during volatile times, which is typical high school, college times are, are, are very spiritually volatile times yeah. in our life. And uh, so my, my being locked on like that kept me focused quite a bit during that time. Amen. Amen. Um, so moving forward, what would you tell someone? Um, you already gave a word for the young people of our generation. But what would you tell someone as, you know, you started as a teenager and now today as a pastor, as a bishop, um, what would you tell someone today, simplify, to how to start a relationship with God? Well, you know, the, the first thing is uh, you have to understand God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to, I, I heard somebody say this one time, it was pretty profound. Um, somebody was saying, well, I have a need, you know, and, and God didn't meet my need. And so therefore, you know, I don't believe in God. You know, if there was a God, then then he would do this and he would do that. And why does he allow this and allow that? Well, the only things that we know of God is what he has revealed to us through creation yeah. and what he's revealed to us through his word. Yes. His word was what he gave us uh, to uh, to learn of him. Yes. That's what gets us started yes. into a relationship with him. Now, once we have a relationship with him, then, of course, there's things that he can deal with us one-on-one -on -one and take us, you know, into deeper things. But you're never going to get deeper than, than the word. Even when God takes you to deeper, perhaps spiritual experiences, for example, in a prayer room or, or whatever, through right. through prayer and fasting or what, you know, you can have a man, I had this experience in God. Well, but you can find it in the word. You're, you're never going to get so spiritual that you can't find what's going on with you in the word, you know, because the word is what God chose. So you have to you have to start with faith that God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And so even though you have a need and God knows you have a need and God loves you, but he responds to faith. And so faith, so you have to exercise your faith. Now, where do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're if someone who doesn't know God and doesn't know anything about God, but is interested in finding out if there's a God, what I would suggest is you know, the Bible says first thing we have to do is we have to believe in him, you know. And then, so that that faith, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, all that means is, is that I have to say, okay, I believe there probably is a God. 
And I believe that that he will respond if I search after him. There's nothing, there, there's no obligation on God's part to seek me out. Right. The obligation is on my end. You know, I'm the creation. He's the creator, you know. All the things that he did that was his obligation, he's done already. Yes. He created this world. He created me. He went to a cross to redeem me. He, You know, he's done his part. Now I have to do my part by uh, believing that if I seek him, that he will find me. And I still may not know anything about him, right. but I'll at least get to that point where I'm willing now to investigate. And I don't, I don't really... Uh, I, of course, you tell somebody, read the Bible. Well, you know, sometimes that's not easy for someone that has no training. Or what. It, that's why preaching and teaching uh, is what it's about. I encourage people, uh, that somebody perhaps that may be listening to this, for example, maybe you have doubts or whatever, but you want to have more faith. Well, then I would say go to things. There's many out there, but such as ours, our church website, NorfolkApostolic.org. Go to our church website to the video section. We have an entire, uh, you know, series of preaching and teaching messages that are archived there. Here's the thing: you start listening to anointed preaching and teaching. That will start to build your faith. Even when you feel like, well, I don't know. I, there's probably a God, but I don't know if I believe in. Well, you 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 got to be preached to. And you say, well, I don't know that that'll work. Well, it'll work because God chose it to Amen. work. And it's how people have been converted to Christianity throughout history. And so if they'll start listening to the word, just, you know, just start hearing the word. Hearing the word starts to activate a faith that was put in you from the beginning from God. And it will begin to respond. It'll begin to. And then when your faith starts arising, that starts happening because your understanding starts to arise. And then at some point you can't go any further till you start obeying, you know, then, <laughs> yeah, because then you got to obey what's, what's, what's being preached. Amen. And what, like that day when I was 13, you know, I, I felt a draw. Preaching had stirred my faith mm-hmm. and preaching had, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I couldn't go any further until I started obeying it. Right. And when I obeyed the word and, and that was preached in that service, and went ahead and got baptized. <clears throat> uh, it wasn't. It wasn't just blind faith. I I felt it. It was you know, uh, but I just couldn't fully understand it right. and explain it yet. But I knew it was real. And so the faith cometh by hearing, hearing from the word of God. Then comes obedience, and in all of that process, uh, God will take you from you know, one experience to the other and until the next thing you know, what you're doing day by day is walking with God, you Amen. know. <laughs> wow, I hope you all are really listening to this. There's a lot of good nuggets um, that's been shared. If you didn't catch it, I recommend you to go back and listen to it. And so with that, with everything you, you've mentioned, also leading up to that point two. For my personal walk with God and just everyday living, going to work, being through school, just meeting people in the community, um, I realized I've been able to connect with people that 
that have that have a hunger for God or <coughs> mention that they love God. Um, but unfortunately, that I just grew up and um, I just honestly, there's no really way of um, sugarcoating it, but have been surrounded with false doctrine and things that's not necessarily in the Bible um, concerning salvation. And um, so for you, for, for everything that you already stated, and also you could you could do a little insert for your, your Bible, your world famous Bible study, but what are some things you would <coughs> tell someone that's struggling with pursuing the steps of salvation according to what the Bible says? Well, number one, it, it, there are many, many people that are uh, somewhat trapped under the concepts of of uh, false teaching, yeah. or false uh, just, or if nothing else, just to say, uh, you know, uh, less than truth. Yes, Let's put it yes. that way. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> some people preach things that are false, but are absolutely convinced about it. They're not trying to necessarily be uh, uh, problematic, but right. they, they believe this, what they were taught, that kind of thing. And, and so the question becomes, how do you, how do you know, you know, that, that you, if you want to pursue God, you want to pursue truth. This is where, this is where calling out to Jesus directly has a lot to do with this. Okay. Because when you start telling the Lord and calling him by name and saying, Jesus, I love you. I want to know you better. I want to know truth. You literally start asking God for truth. Now, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord will lead you into all truth. Yeah. And so if, if people are sitting in teachings that are less than truth, if they will still, instead of just getting comfortable in that, mm -hmm. if they will hunger after God and keep praying for truth, walk in what they know, walk in what you've been taught so far, but continue to hunger after God okay. and ask God to, if Lord, if there's more truth than this, then I want it, okay. you know, start hungering after. I promise you, God will make a way uh, to to lead you, guide you, could even come through a simple podcast like this. But there'll be a way that he'll direct you to a place that you can find the anointed teaching and preaching that will take you to the next level of your understanding. This issue of false teachers, I, I was even working on preparing, you know, to minister tomorrow. And it's literally one of the things I'm talking about. Wow. When Paul... Paul said that his greatest concern uh, uh, is, and he, he literally said this in Acts 20, he said, for I know this. I mean, he, he wasn't even, you know, he said, I know this is going to happen. He said, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, of, of, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Paul's greatest concern, he knew because he was, he was spending a great deal of his apostleship contending yeah. with different types of teachers and stuff that were rising up within the church. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Paul called them false apostles. He said he called them deceitful workers. 
transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ. He was constantly battling with false brethren. And he said, I know when I'm gone, I know what's going to happen. And so this issue was being battled from the beginning. So here's the point. You can't assume, most people assume that everything that calls itself Christian has its roots with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not true. Right. You know, it, there are so many things that have been peppered into things and called Christian, mm-hmm. called Jesus Christ, people claiming to be servants mm-hmm. of Christ that are absolutely not what he preached. And so the only way you can can get through all of that is to hunger after God himself and ask God to lead you and to guide you. And I I promise you, he will, because he, he, he wants us to walk in truth. And, uh, but he responds to faith and he responds to hunger. And so, uh, that's what I would say to, to those hunger after God, God, God will guide you. Amen. Amen. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here <laughs> with this last question here. I know time's getting away. Um, but um, you, years ago, you started a Bible study that will help people um, understand and receive truth as an Acts 2.38 message. Um, would you like to share a little bit about that and uh, share an example and how that Bible study helps someone um, with their apostolic conversion experience? Well, that Bible study, I, I called it the New Birth Experience. Uh, and mostly it came in my early days uh, here in Norfolk. When I started the church, we had 12 people in the church, 12 adults in the church when I came. And so we had a lot of work to do to build up a congregation. And I was teaching as many home Bible studies as I could, one-on-one type stuff. But I had been trained uh, as, as a young person, as a teenager, so on, on the Exploring God's Word yeah. Bible study course, which is a great course. Mm-hmm. It's like a 10-12 lesson Bible study, and it, it, it goes from Genesis to Revelation, hits the highlights. Mm-hmm. It is good, basic Bible knowledge. Yeah. We still use it today, but it was brand new back in the 70s. Okay. It had just come out. Yeah, that was the big do, you know, the big production <laughs> thing. And so at the time of my conversion, that was the you know big thing being pushed. So when I, when I was taught and trained how to teach Bible studies, it started with exploring God's Word. So I taught it tons of times you know, through the years, and it's great. It, it is a wonderful tool. The problem that I was running into was I was I'm wanting to build a church back in this is you know going back to late eighties yeah. at this point, early nineties, and I'm I'm having these, you know, Bible studies, but once you got committed to a Bible study, you got yourself committed to a like a ten week uh, deal, you know. And what I was finding is I'd get two or three weeks into the Bible study and I realized, well, you know, folks are just enjoying having Bible study and having me come <laughs> over the house, but they weren't really hungry. They weren't, right. you know, and I, that's okay. I wasn't, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm looking for ripe fruit. I'm, I'm right. looking for stuff that's already on the vine that, that God's already dealing with and we'll deal with the other later. But right now I got, I got to stay focused on church. So I became frustrated and I started talking to the Lord about the fact that I'm getting myself into something, you know, I got six more weeks that I'm committed to 
to do something for people that I'm not really getting anywhere with. And, and so I'd rather spend that time doing So I, it was out of frustration. I started watching the Lord moving quicker on people. So I wrote, I, I used two or three of the other ones that were uh, available back in those days. Uh, all, all good. Uh, you know, somebody asked me, what's the best Bible study? And I heard somebody say one time, it's the one you're using. That That's, that's the best one. But um, they didn't fit my my mindset. Okay. You know, I, I just, it didn't flow okay. with the way I think. And I know everybody doesn't think like me. So I figured, well, I'm going to write a Bible study. I'm going to write my own. I'm going to start from scratch and I'm going to write one to do what would somebody have to say to me to convince me? Okay. And then I figured, you know, this may not affect everybody, but there's got to at least be enough people that think like me that yes. we can build church off of. You know, that, that was my original thinking. So I wrote the New Birth Experience. Right now, we even use it locally in the local church. We've repackaged it into another thing. It's called Experience Pentecost, mm -hmm. but they're both the identical Bible study. But basically, it's a how-to uh, you can even go to our church website, NorfolkApostolic.org. There's a, um, a button page on there that's called the New Birth Experience, and it has uh, the Bible study there that people can read it for themselves. It's also there that can be ordered if people would like to order a hard copy. Um, but also what's interesting is on the link, there is a, a video that we did. You may remember yes, this on a Sunday night. We created uh we took the sunday night platform and turned it into a right. a living room setting and we had brother barnes who was our outreach director at the time teaching uh, a young couple the new birth experience so people can go to the website and even even if they don't have anybody to teach to they can they can have it taught to them online uh and so that that's what started all, all of that now what i didn't know when when we did this is it would become uh, something that would end up going around the world. Yeah. Uh, and one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, I will take this tool uh, around the world. You will never know where all it, it will go. But I had been praying and the Lord said, I'm going to answer your prayer through this tool. Well, my prayer had been, I want to impact my generation for the gospel. That's, that's what I was praying. And so the Lord took this tool. At this point, that I know I've totally lost control of it. It right. it is it's it's just out and everywhere. Uh, nobody reports back to me. You know, it's just it's just uh, freely receive, freely give. It's it's out there. But um, I, the, at least that I know of, it's been translated into about fifteen languages that I'm aware of. And I and there's so much I don't know. You know. Um, you know, it's being used. The, the missionaries have now been given uh, permission uh, from me, particularly those in non-speaking uh, country, English-speaking countries. Mm -hmm. I've given them the permission to use that and translate it into their language, publish it in their country, and use it as a, a soul-winning tool. Uh, we're working right now on having it uh, translated into Khmer uh, to take to Cambodia mm -hmm. with, um, you know, some of the trips that we do from the church here. Uh, never, never would I have dreamed back in those early days when I wrote this and put it on index cards on a paper clip and <laughs> had it clipped in the back of my Bible. Because uh, anytime anybody asked me, boom, I'm half Bible, I'm ready to teach, you know. Uh, never would have dreamed 
what has become of it, right. you know, and that it's totally taken off around the world. And many people are, are being brought into the kingdom because it's a simple explanation of what to do, the follow the steps that leads you to, you know, starting with believing in the Lord, leading you through repentance, through baptism in Jesus' name, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it, it just pulls it all together in a, in a simple way. Amen. I just want to say this was a wonderful interview podcast with you, Pastor. I feel like I got like a one-on-one Bible study today. That's how it works. <laughs> um, thank you once again so much for sharing your testimony, um, sharing some wisdom and knowledge, some nuggets here and there. Um, as we close up, um, any final closing thoughts? From you, Pastor. Well, just the, the only thing I would add to it all is just uh, look, we're we're all busy with the things of life. We we got to go to work. We got school. We got you know bills to pay. We got, and if we're not careful, we can get so consumed with everything that is just temporal, yes. and we're not giving enough attention to the spiritual. The spiritual part of us is what's eternal. And if you're going to weigh the importance between eternal things and temporal things, there's no question that the eternal outweighs it. Even so much that Jesus himself, trying to make that point, said that, you know, what does it profit a man if he's able to gain the whole world? Number one, no man ever gains the whole world. So it was an exaggeration. Right. But Jesus said, even in the exaggeration, even if you were able to gain the whole world, but lose your own soul, said, what profit is it? He said, it's it's a losing thing. Your soul is more important than the entire world, temporal world around you. And it's just kind of a marvel to me that as a culture, we spend so much time, energy, and money dealing with the temporal. And... I guess I would just end by saying uh, we need to carve out some time and start putting it on the spiritual because that's what really matters in time. Amen. All right, you all, thanks again. I also want to put out a little um, invite to you all as well. For those that already know me, you already know what church I go to, but we are here at Norfolk Apostolic Church of Norfolk, Virginia, located on 3131 Azalea Garden Road, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, we normally have services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7.30. Our pastor here that just spoke, he normally does Bible studies on the Wednesday nights. And he also normally preaches and teaches on um, Sunday mornings as well. Uh, we have an awesome, incredible children's ministry and young, um, teenagers, young adults um, ministry college career group for those of young adults that's in the college season of their lives. Um, so many um, groups here in this church. And the services are live streamed usually as well. Amen. <laughs> from, from the same website. And I'll make sure I put that on the introduction as well as the introduction of the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in and please share this. If this encouraged you, share this on your social media account, share it through emails, text messages, Thank you once again, everyone. Take care. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in on this segment of the Apostolic Christian Conversion Experience with my very own pastor, Pastor 
Michael G. Blankenship of Norfolk, Virginia, um, over in Norfolk Apostolic Church. Um, once again, we just want to remind you all, um, if you enjoyed this podcast episode and you want to get more information concerning our church, our doctrine, um, different ministries of the church, you can visit our website at norfolkapostolic.org. Um, we also have an app as well. Um, on the website, you will find um, our live stream option for our live stream services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., Sunday evenings at 6 p.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Also, we have archived messages as well on that website. We also have a YouTube channel, Norfolk Apostolic Church on YouTube, where we also archive uh, most of all of our messages on there as well. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope this blessed you and encouraged you. Feel free to share this um, to your family, your friends, um, colleagues, acquaintances. Um, This is the Apostolic Conversion Experience Series. Talk to you all soon. Bye.